0: I'm pretty honest with myself, you know, about what I do and why I do it and the mistakes I made. And I don't beat myself up, but i just like, yeah, I didn't listen.
1: Welcome to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of wholesaling and house flipping businesses. The systems and automation that we discuss will help you build a real business instead of another job for yourself. From beginners to those doing hundreds of thousands a year, we go deep into the details and strategies that are working today. And now your host, Bill Allen.
0: Hey
1: everybody, welcome to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen. And today I've got a a great guest. His name's Joe Cordes, Joe Cordes. He's um, four years ago, we, we started this kind of seven figure journey. There were about 20 of us in a room in Dana Point, the original adopters to this mastermind group. And Joe was one of the people who was in there with us. So there's not a lot of us left in the mastermind group. And Joe was there at the first meeting at Dana Point myself, Mike Simmons, obviously, Andy, and that's Rob Badhorn. Rob Badhorn is uh, still with us in the group. So and uh, so, I'm excited to talk to him. He's uh, out, out of New York. He's got a law enforcement background. A lot of the similar core values to me, I feel like. We got along really well that first year at 7 Figure Flipping, and I really appreciated all the conversations that we had together. And he's kind of left the community and come back into the community. So I wanted to bring him on the podcast and just talk a little bit about his journey, about you know, what's going on in his life and hopefully give you guys a little bit of an idea of we're doing this section right now of some of our members and the different people who are in the mastermind group and um, who are part of our community. So I think he's a great example of the kind of people that we have in the group and the kind of people that we want to attract. So um, Joe, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for taking some time and sharing your experience and story with everybody.
0: Yeah, thanks, Bill. Great to be here. Looking forward to this.
1: So I'm just going to I'm just going to preface this podcast with my kids. So this is just after Thanksgiving. We're coming off of this four-day Thanksgiving holiday where my kids are out of school and they're in daycare and they're all sick. My wife is in England for two weeks. I'm watching the kids by myself. I am. I've come down with something, so my voice might not sound exactly like it normally does. I'm going to. I'm going to work through this, but uh, bear with me, okay? So I'm going to do my best. It's pretty good that Joe's going to be on here because. The way I feel right now, because I'm not going to do a lot of talking, so I'm going to let you do a lot of talking. I want to hear. I'm going to do take Becca Shea's advice. She's like, "Hey, you need to be quiet and listen to people." So I'm going to start doing that today. So, Joe, can you tell us a little bit about you and your story, kind of like your background and how you found real estate?
0: Um. Okay. Yeah. I've always been interested in real estate, even even when I was in college. Uh, Used to read a lot of books, the few books that were around at the time, and and kind of really always had an had an interest in it. I kind of Grew up with my father as a very handy guy, um, you know, working on cars. And, and me and my brothers, I have two older brothers that are twins are a year older than me. And we kind of always got our hands dirty, you know. So whenever my father, my father's a New York City uh, firefighter. So kind of had to kind of um, do everything on his own. You know, we never hired a contractor. Uh, I think my father never hired a contractor, you know. So he renovated our entire house and he had a little labor pool. But me and my brothers you know pulling out nails and sweeping up and I kind of started to see how a house got built from from my father and and he was always an excellent teacher you know so that was kind of my introduction to to um being being involved as a um, in houses and 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 how things worked you know um I had an uncle who who actually used to work for the space program NASA um, was a for lack of a better term, a, a, a rocket scientist, which he was, worked on gyroscopes for Saturn and, and uh, missions and Jupiter and, and, and some of these other programs. And he was a big, big person. We were really kind of into science and used to get popular mechanics and popular science magazines. And, and so I always wanted to know how things worked and how things were built. So I always had an interest in real estate and cars uh, at, a, at a young age. Um, I was actually an, an engineering major electrical engineering major when I went to college. Did that for about a year and a half, realized I didn't want to be an engineer. Um, And then I went went kind of on a business plan. I was going to go, took a lot of business classes, was going to college for that. And then at the age of 20, I went on the NYPD uh, and spent 23 years there. Um, And while I was on that job, I always had this, was nurturing this kind of real estate, um, desire to be involved in real estate. Um, I bought my first rental property with my brother when I was 23 because I, I lived home and worked a lot uh, back in the day in the police department, very busy, worked a lot of overtime, squirreled a lot of money away for like a three-year period living at home, and me and my brothers bought a rental property. It was going to be one of many rental properties that I owned, and then I didn't buy another one for about 25 years.
1: <laughs> so so um, why, why not? Why didn't you? What, what happened there? You
0: know, it's... It, it, It's interesting. A couple of things. So I really enjoyed being a young cop in Brooklyn, where I was working, and I wanted to take promotional exams. And I worked a lot of hours, and I was trying to advance within that field. So you know, a lot of time went into that. You know, I I, I was really, I really loved that job at the time, um, and for a long time. Um, And then I bought that house, and I, and I, thinking back, I, it was so hard. It's so different than how it is now. To to figure all of this stuff out, right? So, I didn't know anybody in the real estate business, you know? My father was a fireman. His friends were firemen. Everybody in my neighborhood was a plumber, electrician, or, you electrician. Know, nobody was a real estate investor, you know? Nobody was a mortgage broker, you know? Nobody was a banker. Just not. I grew a, blue, a blue-collar neighborhood, you know? And, and that's just was the people I was surrounded by.
1: And that was probably a time where there wasn't a lot of, like, uh, Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of online things. You're not going searching, like Googling stuff to figure out what's going on. Like we'd have to actually go down to the library and pick up a book and you'd have to be immersed in it. You have to go find it. So you were focused on what you were doing. It sounds like, and your circle just wasn't, it just wasn't the circle that you were in.
0: It was right. Exactly. And, um, there were very few people that I could, could, there was really nobody. My father had a friend. That's how we kind of got the bug, but he was a guy who was running his own thing. And we were a couple of young guys and he would give us a couple of tips here and there, but you kind of had to figure it out on your own. And then it's funny because I did go to the library, you know, it was like five books on the shelf, you know, and it's like it was it wasn't applicable to what I was doing, trying to buy two family houses. And, you know, um, and then at the time, I remember, like, we had that house for a while. And right. I knew the concept concept is you get this one, right. You have it for a little bit, you get a cash flowing and then you go out and you get another buy another one. Right. But, there were, you know, I didn't know if hard money lenders existed. I guess they weren't called that back then. They were just angel investors or whatever you would call them. But, like, how am I going to find one of these, you know? So I would go to, like, a bank. I remember, like, going to Citibank and being like, well, I have this rental, you know, and I got some money. I want to buy another one. And I sat down with the mortgage guy, and he's like, this isn't going to happen. You, won't know what you, need. you don't have enough equity in this. You know, like, because, I, you know, the rigidity of that, you know, it, it was like, really? I, I, I've heard that you could do this, you know? And, it, and, it, and even some of the stuff, like, I remember was like, it was like mail or pamphlets I would get, you know? Like, I'd see something in a magazine, you know, and you'd, like, send the thing in and send $2, and you get a pamphlet from some guy. I don't know if you know, There was a guy called Colton Sheets. Yep. You've heard of him? Yep, absolutely. Right, I think he went to jail eventually. I'm pretty sure he went to jail. But that was, like, the guy, you know? And then you had Donald Trump. Everybody knew him. He was a New Yorker. That's where I wanted to be, you know, back then. And, but like, you know, that was the other end of it, you know. I wasn't going to call him up and ask him. And so I kind of stumbled around, you know. I kind of stumbled around and it it went on the back burner. And every once in a while, maybe like every six months or a year, I see a property and I would make an offer on it or I get nervous, you know, because, you know, my, my dad was kind of a guy, like very cautious person, you know. And, um so that was kind of instilled in me, you know, and, and it wasn't a lot of risk taking, you know. And uh, and that was basically it, you know, and then and then I just never really got you know, I bought houses, I bought a house and I sold it and I bought another house that I lived in. But I just had this kind of two family house and um and that was it. Me and brother me and my brother ran that one and barely cash flowed and we were always working on it and and uh and I got kind of immersed in the police department and and everything got back for a very long time.
1: So then after that, you, you retired from the police force. And you, did you just jump into real estate after that?
0: No, I, I, but I knew I wanted nothing to do with law enforcement or security or any kind of those jobs that people thought I would go in. You know, I kind of worked my way up in the police department. I was a, an upper ranking person. And I, and I worked in the counterterrorism bureau for five years. And there was all this opportunity in those types of fields, but it was the same line of work. So it wasn't necessarily real estate, but I wanted to get involved in business. You know, like I just wanted to do something totally different from that old world. I spent my life in the age of 20 to 43 doing that one thing, you know. But even around the time I was going to leave on 20 on the bottom because I kind of had enough and I was ready to go. And probably, uh, probably about 16 years on a job. It was around 9-11 when that happened. And then at 20, I didn't feel right about leaving. I kind of still had a dog in a fight in my mind, and I wanted to stay, and I was working in the counterterrorism field, and I stuck it out for another three years just because that's what I wanted to do, and that's where my heart was um, at the time. So, but then when I got out, I was like, okay, I'm done with all of that now. You know, I wanted to do it. And when I was retiring at the time, because I always, like I just said, had an interest in science and how things worked. I was obsessed with getting solar electric on my house, right? And... So like I researched that like a psycho and, and yeah, I got friendly with a local integrator. It was a young guy. who was a true believer, a, a good guy, small businessman. And, uh, I put solar on my house and he knew I was retiring. We kind of got friendly and he's like, Hey, I think I want to hire you. I was like, uh, for what? Like, I don't, I know a little bit about solar here, but I'm, I know he had really smart people on his staff. He was a smart guy and he had a, uh, uh, his partner had his, his like, Ph.D. from MIT in electrical engineering, and, and uh, I'm like, what would I do there? He's like, I want a sales guy. He goes, you know how to talk to people, and um, I don't want a traditional salesperson. I want you to be a sales guy, and I said, okay, I'll, I'll try that. It's different. I figured I'd learn about a small business, I think there was like five employees. I think I was the sixth employee there. and. Um, I think they'd sold maybe like a handful of systems, maybe seven or eight systems in a couple of years, you know, they were kind of struggling. And I remember I took like a $30,000 a year base and everything else had to be commissioned, right? So that was kind of my first, like, you know, just jumping, you know, because I could have gotten a job making, you know, five or six times that amount in a a security field. But I was like, wow, I got young kids, I got a mortgage, Yes, I was getting a pension for the police department, but that's never anything that you could really live on in New York. I'm not complaining, I'm just saying it, it's not really, I couldn't live the lifestyle I wanted to live. And I took this $30,000 a year job basically, right? Um, and then everything was going to be on me because I was on complete commission base, you know? And um, I went at it like, like you know, like an animal. Like I did everything in, in my prior jobs and, and um, I spent three years there learned about how a small business will operate. We went from six employees to 18 by the time I left. And um, I sold 150 or so solar electric systems during the recession for the most part um, and made a pretty good living doing it. And then it was a good big confidence booster for me. Like, uh, you know, not just Joe the cop, so to speak, I could actually maybe be a businessman, you know, So it was kind of validation that I could get that job done, you know. And I learned the good of a small business and the bad, and I learned a lot of lessons there. Um, That company looked like it was maybe going to go. It was kind of getting on some some tough financial situation, and um, I was friends with some folks there who 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 knew the finances and said, you know, if something else comes up, you may want to move, you know, uh, because I don't think they're going to be around much longer. and I got an offer at the time then from this guy who I worked in the police department with who used to call me up periodically and say, what are you gonna give up on a tree hug and stuff? You know, the typical love you get the kind of jobs we used to be, you know, like what kind of freak are you? What are you doing over there, you know, solar, you know? So I got enticed back to take a job doing, doing security work, running a, a corporate investigations department, a large security firm in Manhattan, uh, just because they felt like I needed a job, right? that old fear comes back. You know, I got young kids and, uh, and I I can't be without a job. And, and I took that job and it was a mistake, you know, and probably by the third day I got off the train and came home. My wife took one look at me and she said, you're not happy, right? I'm like, no, I'm not happy. Um, and I did that job for about two and a half years and did not enjoy one day of it. And, um, I helped grow that business in the same thing because I was running a small and it gave me more confidence now and I was on to my next thing and I could still do some marketing and I set up their website and I hired people and, um, I ran my own unit and I took that. It was me and a part-time guy. By the time I left too, I built it up to 14 or 15 people. Uh, so I was like, Oh, you know, maybe, maybe I got some, some ability here, you know, to kind of do this. and then. um Typical kind of thing there, they brought, brought some new management in and somebody wanted my job for their friend and I had a contract with them and they, they started to get ugly and, and I said, you want to give me a severance? I'll go. You know, because in my mind, I'm like, I don't like it either anyway. And I took that severance to seed see money and jumped again and said, you know, I'm done with this. I've always loved real estate. I know about houses. I think I know how to run a business now because I've learned you know, in the private sector now for five or six years. And, uh, and I started this business. And I flipped the house and made some money. And then I flipped the house and made like a break even. And then I flipped the house and lost $18,000. And then I sent $25,000 to some guy in California I never met. And, uh, and ended up on a plane sitting next to you at the data point in in california and uh and that brings me here all
1: right so <clears throat> when i look back on this i haven't heard a lot of that before that i can uh-huh. remember at least that that story so what i hear is so you were in law enforcement and that's for 23 years and that's who you are right that's who you become that's like you said you get out of law enforcement and now it's about okay now what i don't want to keep going in this same circle so I, what i heard uh-huh. when you're At that time, you got the circle of plumbers and you got the circle of uh, uh, firemen and and police officers and all of these things. And you don't have those real estate or those entrepreneurs or those other people who are doing their own thing. You didn't have that influence kind of in your life at that time. So now you jump into a whole nother circle. just, you said, I'm out of here. I'm the solar thing. You get solar on your house and you decide, all right, this guy's going to give me a job. I'm going to go do it. What I heard was you committed to it. It was something that you believe in. So it's something that you were really interested in. So you could sell it. Relationship sales. I mean, as long as I've known you, uh, you can talk me into doing pretty much anything. So I know that you could do a good job with that. So all of that stuff and make, being able to make that transition. So those three things probably made it a little bit easier for you to make that transition. And then when that company went out, you said, all right, I'm, I want that security blanket back again. I'm going to go back to this area. Somebody gave right. me a back in back in security. So I'm going to go jump back into that. And I will say Allison is probably a very good judge of character. So, uh, you know, every time that I've met her, she knows what she's talking about. So when she says you're not happy, that's day three and you go suck it up for two and a half years of that, which is pretty wild. There's probably a lot of people listening going, yeah, I'm, I'm at a point right now. I already know that I'm not in the place that I should be, that I, Mm -hmm. that I want to be, that I'm called to be and I'm, but I'm just not going to do anything about it. So like what, at that time, those two and a half years, why did you stay there? Why didn't you just, you, you, you'd are, maybe you were getting some benefit from, you know, proving yourself that you were growing that business too. Right. You had just grown kind of, you'd made the jump, you made the transition out of law enforcement over to the solar business, right. more of an entrepreneurial type company. And then right. you went back to this kind of safety blanket. So what kept you there after three days of you knowing that this is not for me?
0: Uh, part of it was pride, you know, part of it was commitment. So, you know, a person that I was very friendly with, a police department who was, you know, kind of got me there. He, he went out and said, hey, I'm going to bring this guy in. And what they were selling me is the person was going to turn the business line around. They were going to close that business line. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to fix this thing, you know, because I had just come off kind of this being in the solar industry there. And this business was there for three years and sold five of these things. And I went three years sold 150 of them, right? And, and everything really you know, I was very much supported there. It was a good small company, good owner, but it was on the back of the sales team, right? So, like, I was by myself. I probably sold seventy-five of these things by myself. That allowed them. to now, so I get a sales assistant, right? Like any any of these businesses, right? Get another salesperson. By the time I left, I was a sales manager, three salesperson, sales assistant. You know, so it builds up your confidence, right? You know, you're like, okay, and then so then when I went to this other thing, I wasn't going to quit. It's the same thing. I committed to this, right? I told him I was going to turn a business line. This guy pushed me. There were other people who wanted the jobs. Like those jobs are hard to f- come from in that industry, you know? And so I figured I'd give it to the college try and do it. And so the part of that was that, like the commitment and then and then my pride like, I'm gonna fix this thing, you know, even though I hate this thing, I'm gonna make it make money for them, you know, which which it ultimately did um, and grew tremendously. And then, and then my reward was right because it's what we, we hate about corporate, right? Then my reward was there's a little bit of change there, and this guy brings him, and he's got a buddy, and he's and this person's going to get my job, and I know it, right? You could see it deteriorating, and I was like, really? After how I killed myself, and my kids were you know my kids then were your kids age now, and I'm sitting in in, in at nine o'clock at night in New York City, my kids are home, and I'm not there with them, and. So then you get, you, know, you get a little bit kind of angry about it, you know, and, I, and a lot of people who become entrepreneurs that I've even spoke to, yeah, we all get there. And the saddest thing about that point in my life was, I remember one time, I can still remember, like in yeah, those moments in your life when you remember things, I'm sitting on a train, I'm just exhausted, you know, and I'm just like, man, if I could just, I could just suck this up for 10 more years, like, right, because I have kids, and that's how you get, right, you got to be kids, and I could just do that, and I could just make this, right, I could suck this up for 10 more years, right? And I think back at that, I'm like, wow, what a... You know, I can't even believe I was thinking like that, you know? But you get brought to those moments sometimes in your life, right? Where you're like, "Like, man, I was out of this thing. I'm sucked right back into it, right? The job I don't like, doing it just because I got to pay a check, you know? And, and for me to jump back out of it, like, wasn't like, wow, you're so awesome. I still... I still have money coming in, right? That's all I've that been People take much bigger leaps of faith than I do, right? They quit the jobs, they have no other money coming in, right? <laughs> um, so maybe that also becomes a bit of a drag then, right? Because you got money coming in, you're never desperate enough, right? To you know. But I don't know. Um, I sometimes think about it, and it doesn't mean anything, right? You're just spinning it around in your head, and I don't do much of that anymore. You know? I'm just kind of more moving forward. You know, and, and every, every, you know, a couple of months, I feel I'm moving farther and farther away from those, you know, insecurities and security feelings and, but probably deal with them my whole life, you know, uh, in a way they protect you. Right. But in a way they also hold you back, you know?
1: Yeah. It's a total, total mindset shift, right. Of, because I mean, as a military guy for, you know, 15 years, getting a W2 paycheck from the government, it, my check always came and it's just. That was what I made. That's what I was worth. That was it, and right. that's who what I identified myself at. I was a pilot. That's right. it. What do you do? I'm a pilot. When people ask me what I do right now, it just depends on how I feel, depending on how I answer. So usually it's day trade real estate. I j- day trade real estate, so that uh, usually gets a conversation happening. They say, right. "What are you talking about?" Well, we buy and sell about a house a day. So, so we just kind of I joke around, try to have a conversation, and then see, hey, maybe they're my next investor. Who knows? So, but I never really know what to say anymore because. I'm just an entrepreneur. I just want to do whatever I want to do. And, but it wasn't like a light switch that just changed in in me. So it's obvious that to me from your story that you started building some other people's businesses and mm-hmm. you got, you got some confidence in that, which mm-hmm. I think from the sounds of it, it sounds like that allowed you to make that leap a little bit easier to, to jump into your own thing and be confident that you could do it because you've helped some other people do it. And you could see, you're in the entrepreneur a little bit more of the entrepreneurial world, building a business, building the sales team, way right. different than being a police officer. But so moving right. up in, as a leader in the police force is probably uh, similar to moving up as a leader in the, in the military where, you know, I'm just kind of put in a position. I do a good job. I get a report or, uh, you know, my end of year kind of evaluation. I start, I take an exam or I do whatever I need to do right. to move up to the next, the next rank and keep moving up from there. And then, Outside of that world, it's a whole different ball game of people who are very different, who you know aren't raising their hand to put on the uniform, who right. aren't volunteering. They're jumping in for paychecks and, and right. it's a little bit more cutthroat. It's a little bit different, but you did all this with integrity. You did all this, like you stayed for two and a half years because it was your friend who you said you were going to do it. And you have so much pride that you're like, day three, I know it's not right, but I'm going to do it because I said I'm going to do it, right. which is it's incredible. I mean, that's that's what... I wish that's what I mean, I hate that you stayed in a job for two and a half years, but it probably was that turning point and that springboard that got you to where you were today. So we talk about this journey a lot, like the path that we're on and why right. we're on it. You did that for a reason. You were you were preparing yourself for your own thing. So then we end up in data point and you join this mastermind group, the seven figure flipping group, and you just take off for your business? What does that look like? So you flipped a house, you made some money, flipped a house, broke even, flipped a house, lost $18,000, then sent uh, $25,000 to join the mastermind group. And then what?
0: Um, and then I hadn't figured out the business yet, really. Right. So, you know, as you remember, there were different people at different levels, right? Yeah. So I think I flipped three houses. I think you'd only flip two, right? Yeah. <laughs> Right. So we were like at the bottom, right? There was people that weren't for any, I think. Right. You know, and then there were people, you know, like Mike and Mike were doing, you know, a lot. And some other people were doing a lot. So it was kind of a, a bunch of different levels. It was the first eye opener I had because I didn't realize what the business was about. Right. I said, I'm going to crush this business. Cause I know about houses. Right. I know how to fix them. I know how to make them nice. I know how to use a router, you know, uh, and that's not what the business is about, right? That is a little bit of it, you know. But I thought, oh, that's what this is about, you know. You you buy a few. I, I know. I remember you and I. We had, I had the same goals, right? We were gonna. I think my initial goal when I spoke to Andy was I was gonna, I was gonna make thirty-five thousand a house and flip ten houses and make three fifty. And I was like, ooh, if that ever happens,
1: you know, I'll really be crushing it, you know. And so, well, hey, my mine was flip twelve houses, make thirty thousand dollars a house, so three sixty. We were we were like right there, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Our goals were aligned pretty much,
0: right? Yeah. So, um, I thought that's what it was about, and I thought it was more about working on the houses, you know. So even when I was there, I was probably still working on the houses half the time. I was probably the only person doing that, um, because I bought these houses and I hadn't gotten contractors and I wanted to be there and you know I have to let things go sometimes I let things go way easier now than I used to you know um I've kind of definitely gone over to the other side you know um but I always you know we are getting away. I was getting away on these things and and spending time working on I mean even when my first round of in, in um seven figure flipping you know I didn't spend time on marketing because I was you know Put a molding in the house, you know? It's the it's lessons you learn about you think you save, because it's how I was raised, right? Like, oh, you save a few hundred dollars over here, right? But you're never going get, to get there, you know? And I, I will tell you one of the things I do remember about that time was one of the exercises, and I now do it with people who I speak to we year or whatever, who just getting started, um, was I think I told Justin that I wanted to make – uh, I think I told him I would to make four hundred thousand dollars, right? And then he pulled out his calculator because he knew he found out I was working on houses and was like, "What are you crazy?" You know? Um, and he just said, "Well, what was the average person who works forty hour work week, two thousand and eighty hours?" And he divided it, and I don't know what it was. Probably I think it was about fifteen hundred dollars an hour. You needed to make to make four hundred grand with that exercise. And he said, well, "What could you pay a guy to do this work in New York?" I go, "I don't know, two hundred. dollars you know, two hundred dollars. He goes, yeah. Well, you're thirteen hundred dollars short every, you know, uh, a day. He, I did was make fifteen hundred dollars a day. He goes, you see, the math doesn't work, right? What you're doing, you're gonna make like seventy, eighty thousand dollars. See, you know, it's a simple exercise, but it, you know, it's one of those ones that hit me like a bolt of lightning. I'm like, wow, I'm not, I'm not going to get there, you know. And it's not like, you know, I was kind of one of the older guys in the group too, and I'm like, I'm running out of timing. This isn't. I, I used to be an engineering major. I mean, I had to drop out, but I got the simple math on this one. You know, th- this isn't going to work out. Um, and so since that time, it's kind of been a slow progression, not as much as I want, but I have moved away from these habits, you know, that I helped for so dear for so long, um, you know, to... Uh, to kind of start to really, you know, I started to have some business skills. I still had this other stuff in my head that used to get in the way,
1: you know? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, that's what I remember about you uh, in that first year was you just seem to be uh, a lot of the other people. And maybe it's, maybe it was the age. Maybe the younger right. people are just easier to say, yeah, that, I like that. Let's just run with it. Right. You, you would really want to know like the why behind all of it, like, but and you would fight it. You were fighting it for yeah. a long time. I felt like, yeah. um, especially with the marketing, with some of this stuff. But no, oh, that's not going to work because of this, or or so, like, these things were happening with you. And um, so, I'm interested to hear kind of how that changed and when, what did that look like for you? So, was it a long period of time? Because I know that you you kind of like moved away from the group for a while and then just came back. So, what what was it like in your mind during that time? Were you working on it? Was it uh, you know some things that you over time, over two, three years, maybe you just started saying, you know what, all that stuff makes a lot of sense. It just took me a little longer to get there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I would definitely agree. You know, I think I'm, I'm, I'm pretty honest with myself when, you know, about what I do and why I do it and the mistakes I made and I don't beat myself up, but I just like, yeah, I didn't listen. You know, I would say my first way around, my business didn't grow as much and I didn't get as much out of the program as, as other people did. Uh, like you is I did fight it, you know, and I thought I knew better and I was a little headstrong and, and uh, you know, it was kind of silly to pay money to be there and be around these people and then not listen to what they're telling you, you know? Um, I tried to do it on the cheap, you know, uh, it was tough to buy in, you know, the, the marketing, you know, um, is an investment, not an expense, you know? Um, and I was still kind of in, in the nickel and dime world, you know, I mean, I'll tell you a story, I had this house, I did pretty well on it, and I had this contract, it was like a pay one price contract. It was the only decent one I could ever find. And um, he, I had this house, and he shows up there, the house is done, it's like going to the market, and the a, a dumpster's going out the next day, and uh, I happened to, to stop in there to send, take some returns, right, to like Lowe's and Home Depot, right? It's embarrassing, but it is what it is. It's like the grand total of my returns was like sixty-four dollars. It's like a sheet of sheetrock, some tile, you know. You, you live that world, right? I've, I've been there. I have been there. Right, and I look, and this guy comes out, and and he was already kind of moving away from that because he started to get the big deal, the big deals. He's a smart guy, and he looks at me, and I got this piece of sheetrock. It's like five thirty-nine on a Friday, right? You know, and and. uh, He's like, what are you doing? Right? I'm like, oh, I didn't take these returns. With loads of people. He goes, Friday night, 530. Why don't you home with your family, your kids, whatever, right? I'm like, well, I just want to stop here, drop your returns, you know? And he's like, dude, that goes in the dumpster, right? Are you crazy? And I'm like, in the environmental mist in me, right? I worked in a solar company. I'm like, that's wasteful that you shouldn't do that, right? You got to see me now. I'm the first guy. They're like, oh, we got three sheets of plywood. We're going dumpster, right? I'm like, I'm the other way now, right? You know, so like it's a lot of those little stories, right? Those little things you do where you think you're winning, but you're losing and you have to cast them. So I struggled with that for a very long time, you know? And now I used to be the guy like, I have a main carpenter who works for me full time and runs a lot of my jobs. I see all my own jobs, but he's kind of like my man on the scene. He does a lot of the work and runs, runs the subs. And, um, and now it's the total opposite way. You know, I'd be like, we got to fix the corner of that molding up there, and that's bothering me and whatever. And now you will tell me things. I'm like, ah, it's all good. Our houses are still, you know, almost perfect and way better than what everyone else is putting out here, you know. So it just took me a long time to get to that place, you know. Um, on, on, you know, I was great with busy work, you know, makes you feel good. I'm going to knock this out, get this done. Like, that's in our world that I used to live in. That's what we – filling out reports and, you know, crushing it, right? Now I'm able to look at this and go, okay, this is busy work, right? I'm not accomplishing anything, you know, at the higher level here. And I'm able to cast it aside now. And like those skills, I think you said it, maybe because I was older and those habits are more ingrained, you know? And I lived in a very regimented type of environment for 23 years of that kind of small task stuff, you know? It took me a long time to cast it loose, you know? So that's what I've been doing, you know? Um, and, and I've been getting better and better at it, you know? And every year since that point, I've made more and more money. Um, I haven't necessarily done more and more projects, but I have started to wholesale things now, which I didn't think was possible in New York. It's difficult, but it's possible. And, um, and I've gotten better at flips. I don't buy bad deals anymore. I don't buy marginal deals anymore, and I make more money on my deals. So, like that end of it, I put a lot of a lot of time into the contracting, flow of the jobs. You know, I have a flip now, one hundred thousand dollar renovation on a three thousand square foot house, um, and I'll have it done in nine weeks. You know, um, and that's not like with a crew. You know. Um, <laughs> That's kind of me subbing it, uh, me GCing it, some subs, and and one full-time person. So I've gotten really good at that.
1: Um, well, that's where you make the money, especially in New York, right? You've got these holding costs. I remember when we went through your numbers, mm-hmm. you remember that exercise that we did we sat down one day at um, I think it was the second meeting and we looked at your numbers for because you were saying you were trying to get the math in your head of what percent AR what, what is my number percent ARV minus repairs that I should be at And right. we looked at it because your holding costs were so much more. your closing costs are a lot higher, your holding costs are expensive all of the things just in in New York just added up to a ton of money. So you had to buy even kind of deeper discount than a lot of us because your fixed costs were so much higher. And when instead of looking at percentage ARV, we looked at uh, fixed costs minus repairs minus profit model, then you could adjust your percentage where you weren't offering too low to those those sellers and trying to modify some of that stuff. I also think it's amazing kind of that – if this has all been ingrained in you for so long, your whole, your whole life growing up, your whole career in the police force and all that stuff, and even even after in the entrepreneurial world before you started your own business, it, to, to look back and see how big of a change you've made even over three years, basically, mm-hmm. it's just amazing to see that, isn't it? I mean, I, I think for myself, when I look back at the way that I think now versus even the way right. that I thought when we met four years ago, right. it is astronomically different. It is unbelievably different. And the decisions that I make now are almost 180 degrees out from what I would have made before. And nickel and diming is probably one of my biggest weaknesses uh, at that time of thinking of everything like a cost instead of an investment, like you said, because every, until I spent, until I joined this mastermind group, everything that I bought was, uh, what's the cost to me? It wasn't about what am, I, what am I putting in? Now, for me, it's about, like you said, if I need to make $200 an hour, how can I find somebody that, makes, that wants to make $10 or $12 an hour? And then if I want to make $1,000 an hour, where's the $200 an hour person? And I want to make $10,000 an hour, where's the $1,000 an hour person? And really look for that because, I mean, my personal assistant, she makes great money. She, makes my, she, she needs to make me more than twice or three times what she gets paid to free me up to allow me to do other things. And she's the one who scheduled this podcast with you. Like, because I I just said, look, I got to get, I got to get some people on the podcast, go out and, and, and here's, here's my list. Here's my top three people. I want to talk to them and she's going to go do that so that I can then focus and just show up when I need to show up, be prepared do all those things. And you have come to that point where you, you've gotten to that point where you see it as an investment instead of a cost. Me too. I feel like I think almost 180 degrees out from where I did and in a very short period of time, which is pretty amazing to think about.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess it is somewhat, somewhat of, a, of a, um, a short period of time, but I'm just impatient, you know. I'm frustrated with my, with my progress. I wish I was farther along because now now I've seen the connection more to – like I got to this period here after I left where I was like, you know what, I got a nice little business on me here now, right? I, I don't have really a lot of employees, you know, I one. And um, I'm making some good money. I'm making more and more in these flips, and I don't have to do 20 or 30 – deals a year, I can do 10 and actually have a pretty solid, you know, thing going here. But what I realized now really kind of this, the last six months and, and wanting to get back in the group um, is, you know, I still need some help um, getting to that next level. And, and I think what it was for me was like, now it's the time thing, right? Now it's more of a time freedom, you know, I'm working less than I was. I don't swing a hammer at these houses anymore. You know, but I'm still logging 50 hours a week. And I'm like, this is never going to change unless I get bigger, right? Because on what I'm doing here now, this is about my capacity. You know, I can flip five or six houses a year and wholesale four and and do it with this kind of little small operation I have. Um, But I'll just, this is like a job now, right? So it's the best paying job I ever had, you know, but it's still a thing that I'm going to have to log 50 hours a week to just kind of maintain it and keep it going. So what I wanted to do now was get to the point now is if I get scale, scale up and make more money, right, then then now I could start to be the person who's hiring and then I could start to get out from under this 50 hours, you know, and then then maybe it's like a real business and then that'll be maybe a business my, my boys can go into someday. It becomes a thing now, you know, rather than, than a job, you know. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at now. You know, I'm kind of, I was like, oh, I don't need to be flipping a million houses, you know? And then now I'm like, I don't need to be, but I need to be doing more of what I'm doing now to kind of be where I want to be. I can't get there just doing this now, you know? I got I to gotta take it to the next level.
1: Yeah, and I think that's, for you, that's where your next level is, right? It's not the same for everybody. Everybody Every, doesn't need to do 200 houses or 300 houses right. or 100 houses. And everybody's got their own plan and what they want to do. And time freedom, I think that's the underlying tone in everything that we do and everything that we, that we do inside the mastermind group is that's pretty much why people come in is they say, look, I'm, I'm going to Home Depot every day and I'm spending, I'm, I'm, I'm doing returns. I'm doing all this stuff. And I just, I want more time with my family and that's what I want. And with that, I think I remember talking to Andy on that first call and him saying, you want to flip 12 houses, you'll make $30,000 a house. And you want to continue flying for the Navy full time. Like, how do you plan on doing that? Right. And you do, oh, and you don't want to hire anybody. That was the other right. big caveat right. On, right. on me. And right. he said, well, it's not really possible. So I'm not going to tell you that it is. And he's right. It's not. But now I've got a company that runs without two, three hours a week. Uh, Nate and I meet for two hours a week. And we talk about how things are going. I don't make, you know, $500,000, a million dollars in that company. But I have my time freedom. My paycheck comes every Friday. The company runs. It employs some great, phenomenal people. Right. They do great work. They care about it. It's continuing to grow. We're continuing to build that company. And I love the fact that I got my time freedom back. The company's running. And it's like you said, it's a business that not only runs without me, but it has these, it's it's developing future leaders inside right. of that company. We're putting food on the table for 15, 16 people. We just hired three more people this quarter. Wow. So it's, and and I have no fear about hiring those people. Like it's not to the point where I'm going, I remember that first hire that Andy talked to me about. I said, I just, I don't want to put, I don't want to be responsible for their kids, for their family. And now I do want to be responsible for that. I want them to show up at the Christmas party coming up in a few weeks. And right. I want to, I want to give them gifts. I want to, I want to have an awesome party. I want to have this huge blowout party. Like Andy used to tell us that he had every year. So every time when I saw that, I, I just started to develop into that. And now I love it. And the fact that some people have left my company and have grown their own business and are successful, like Ryan Smith has gone out to uh, start LeadSmith and is doing some great things for a lot of other entrepreneurs and investors. I've got Dee; She went out to start a bookkeeping business on her own with her best friend. It's fantastic. I love it. I love the fact that they're going to do that and they're following their dreams. And so I'm able to be like this, almost like a little incubator for potentially other people who want to grow inside my organization or do their own thing later. And that's okay
0: I- yes, it's exciting you know and I, I was part of that I remember when I worked at the solar company and we were building you know and, and that was another thing where people really loved it the people who wanted to work there were, were had an interest in it you know and, and that company were hiring new people I was part of the hiring process because you know I was kind of one of the I wasn't an owner but I was like you know the, the owner used to say you're like the third owner here Joe you know and I used to be like okay well where's my piece and it was like <laughs> I thought, you know he was just trying to be complimentary to, you know that they appreciated, you know, my efforts and 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 my input, you know. So, but that was an exciting time when I was there, you know, when all of that was going on and and, and had a vibe, you know. So I kind of know that feeling, you know, and and um and so it's kind of where I want to go, you know, and it, and it's why I'm back in and and um and it's it's you know kind of refocused me around and got me around entrepreneurs now and even next level entrepreneurs, right? Because Back then, you know, we didn't have the higher level people that you have now in the group, you know, and um, you know the deal. You you meet the people in these groups, and they're regular folks just like us, you know, and they just figured it out quicker. Or you know, I mean, I I do remember that, like when you you and me were very similar, and then and then you listened to everything you were told, you know, you, you know, and I'd be like, I don't know, Andy's telling me this, and you're like, I don't know, maybe you should listen, you know. Um, but I remember when you were like telling me about the hires you were going to do and you were hiring somebody out of state that was going to move. Right. Was that yep. he somebody else? Right. And I remember, I'm like, Oh, look at him, man. He's going to go, he's going to do it. You know? So, um, yeah. So whatever that, that's, that's, that's the point where I am now, you know, uh, I just, I just probably spent the most I ever spent in one chunk on marketing, you know, a couple of months ago, I signed on a contract for about almost 50 grand for website, um, enhancements and, and work on my website. And I remember being like, Oof, man, I've come a long way. Yeah. Cause when you can suck that up and just be like, okay.
1: Yeah. yeah that, that would have been a hard no to the Joe Cordis. I remember.
0: For sure. Yeah. 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 So, you know, and there'll be more on that coming, you know, um, but you know, that was one of the other things too. I was, I was getting away without spending money on marketing and still getting deals, you know, because I got a website up here before a lot of the folks did and I was doing very well. I was getting a lot of website leads and it took my eye off the ball, you know? And I was like, oh, I'm good. I'm number one They click on me, I'm good. You know, so I wasn't doing everything I should and then the next thing you know, my phone stopped ringing and because that was my main source, I, you know, I get deals through some networking and, and stuff like that um, and, and, and a little bit of direct mail that I was doing, but, all of a sudden, now my phone stopped ringing. Like, like there was an algorithm change in Google, and my phone literally stopped ringing. You know, like something's wrong. Like, I'm calling my phone. Like, did my the number changed. Let me check the website again. Like, you know I'm feeling, right? When it yep. doesn't.
1: And um, so, so one thing that I want to point out here that you just kind of glossed over that I think is a huge gold bomb for anybody that's listening to this podcast is you took your eye off the ball and you didn't even notice for a while, right? It just started slowly. It happened, and right. you said what 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 i'm doing what what happened to me? what happened? And what we say inside my company right now is the only person that's going to beat us is us. If we become complacent, right. we become arrogant, right. cocky, mm-hmm. we think that we've got it figured out all the time, then we are going to lose. We right. will not continue to grow, we will become stagnant, we will start to deteriorate as a company and we will lose our market share and domination. So right. the only person, the only rival that we have in my mind and Nate's mind and all the team's mind is ourselves. Right. And when you get to that place, you just want to best yourself. You don't right. need to worry about what everybody else is doing. Right. You don't need to worry about what, I mean, it's fine to look at your competition to figure out what's happening. What are they doing? What should we be doing better? But if you focus on you you be the best person that you can, the best company that you can, and you're going in and putting in hundred percent every single day. No problem. When you take your eye off the ball and you think you got it all figured out and you got it going on, that's when you start seeing a decline. And a lot of times you don't see it right away. Which right. starts happening, happening, happening. And then you fall off the cliff and you go right. look back and say, what happened? I just lost like $400,000. I don't even know what happened. Right. And it's because you're not keeping your eye on the ball, like you said. So I think that's a huge point. And it, I, I absolutely love that you mentioned that because it just takes me back to our last quarterly meeting that we had um, with my whole team. And that's what we talked about. Our number one threat is ourselves. Right. And for most of you out there, that's it. You are the threat to yourself, whether it's the way that you think, it's your mindset on things, it's, it's the kind of people that you're hiring, it's what you're doing, it's the, the way that you're talking to sellers. It's you. It's nothing else. It's not right. the market. It's not the... Right. It's not your competition. It's not all this other stuff. It's you. Right. You've got to make the change and become a better version of yourself. And when you can do that, and you can then then hit this this level and continue to kind of figure out how to get better. How to whether it's going to an event, whether it's you know, joining a mastermind, whether it's reading that book, whether it's, you know, putting in an extra hour of work, whether it's going on that appointment that you weren't gonna go on because it's too far away, but whatever it is. Doing that, that's an investment in you. It's an investment in your business. It's an investment in your life. And it's the right. same in your personal personal life too. For me, it was my health. My health got so, I took my eye off the ball on my health because I was focused on my business. Mm-hmm. And I grew up I grew a fantastic business, but I didn't, I was, I was running, I was out of breath walking up the stairs to play with my kid. Right. Like it's embarrassing. Right. And what's it all worth if I have a heart attack and die? You know, right. nothing. So Making sure that you've got a good, well rounded business, a well rounded personal life, uh, relationship, professional life, all those things, friendships travel, whatever it makes you happy you know, uh, emotionally. All that stuff is so important here. We talk a lot about the business side of things, but it's, you can take your eye off the ball in lots of different areas. So a lot of times what we do is we take our eye and attention off off like three things to focus everything that we have on the business. Right. Or we focus everything that we have on the personal life or the spiritual life, and we neglect all the other things. And it it's all comes full circle. So I think yeah. it's great that you brought that up.
0: Oh, thanks, yeah. I mean, it's definitely... You have to know who you are as a person too, right? So you know, my wife will always say about me, you know like when i'm I'm focused on something, it's like I don't hear anything you know i'm 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 in this, you know, and I know that about myself, you know and um one of my neighbors runs a, a local football organization, you know, I used to coach youth football for my for my um my older guy, and I was so in that when I was doing it, it was like. These were 10-year-olds, and I'm watching game film at 5 o'clock in the morning for two and a half hours, breaking down plays, right, you know, at that, at that age group, which you kind of had to do if you wanted to compete, and I'm a competitive person. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this, you know, and, and he's been trying to get me to coach again, and I'm just like, I can't. I love it. But, like, there's no little be me, I help out. He's like, oh, you just help out, you just help out. I'm like, no, that's not me. Me is, I'm in now 110% and it's eating up 20 hours of my work week when I really need to focus on my business, you know? So I have to be able, that's a new skill I've learned in the last year, maybe, you know? You're always learning, right? Uh, it's a quote from Michelangelo, right? Uh, it's a Latin quote, I can't remember but he wrote it on a painting when he was 87. I'm still learning, yeah. uh, uh, I can't remember what it is. But anyway, and you, you're always learning, and I, I would say I've only really picked that skill up, still to say no, right? uh, which I'm not good at, you know? And uh, I'm like, okay, okay. I can't do it. I can't do it. I really need to focus on my business now, you know? Um, so yeah, it's, it's, you know, you always learn lessons, right? You always learn lessons. I learned that lesson with my website, right? Uh, For years I knew everybody said I don't have one, one method of marketing, right? You got to build up these other, some things work, some things will stop working. I didn't listen, right? So I learned the hard way, right? Not that I got crushed, but I lost business. I was trying to build this thing up again now I' put a lot of energy in it and um, you know it's a, it's an interesting business unlike most business you know a lot of other businesses you know I talk to people about it they're like what? you know you you know you've heard a little stuff you know
1: it moves it moves so fast there's constantly changing you need to get uh, innovative, you need to constantly make adjustments it's really fast moving business for sure Lucky. and
0: but when people hear direct mail, they go, What are they in the nineteen fifties? Right again to right. I'm like, Yeah, I know, I don't I used to say, Yeah, I don't I don't buy it, right? Now I'm like, no, no, it works because when I speak to people here in New York, everybody tells me the same thing. I'm like, crush it with direct mail, direct mail is your lead channel, your lead channel in Long Island, direct mail, direct mail, direct mail, direct mail, right? I don't know why, right? Doesn't it, let's hip New York, right? At the front of everything, right? You know, it's gotta be the digital age and whatever, direct mail still works. Here right and works at a high level don't fight it right it is what it is right so so i guess that's kind of part of the lesson i've learned too you know just is what it is
1: yeah and it'll be about tracking those metrics you know i think the biggest thing with direct mail the people that don't say it doesn't work or yeah it's it's my return's not great they just don't know what the return is a lot of times so we watch it very closely so if it starts dipping we start saying why What do we need to do? How do we make an adjustment? We just start making a tweak. We try to see what's happening or we Mm -hmm. remove zip codes. We reduce the amount of mail that we send. We get our return back up. We, we do a lot of different things when you're in tune and have the pulse of what you're doing on the marketing side. I mean, this is a marketing right. and sales business period. Right. If, you if, if you're going direct to seller, you got to be a good marketer. You got to be good at sales. Because right. if, you, if you're if you falling flat on one of those, it's just a funnel. And there's some area in your funnel that's not working. If the if the bottom's not spitting out money, you got to know what it is. You're gonna be able to back it up and say, do I have enough leads? Are we sending enough? Are we getting enough right. calls? Are we? Now we're going on, you know, 10 appointments a week, but we're not closing any. Okay, this looks like a sales problem to me. Right. Or are we not qualifying them enough? Are we, are we just going on all 10 appointments, just not our target sellers? What does our avatar look like? All of these things. I mean, we could spend another two hours talking about just that. But like knowing all that information is so important with, with our business and right. having the pulse of it, whether it's direct mail, whether it's your website, whether it's pay-per-click, whether it's cold calling, it's texting, it's ringless voicemail, whatever you're doing they're bandit signs, door knocking, networking, all those things. It's all about the numbers. It's about getting the reps. It's about getting the at-bats because, and then refining the skills. And obviously, you know, you left the mastermind group and then came back. So it's interesting to have that perspective because you, you kind of went out, you, you were with us for a year. You kind of went out, figured it out on your own. You didn't, you kind of wanted, wanted that the growth again, you said, oh, you know what? I have a good business here. And I hear this a lot. I have a good business. Why do, what do you guys have that, that, that I need or any of that stuff? You, you knew all the, you knew the people, you knew everything that was going on. You came to Flip Hacking Live this year and you came up to me and you were like, Hey, I, i I will kind of, I want back in. I'm ready. Let's, uh, let's not right. that. And right. I said, Joe, I would love to have you. I mean, this, I feel like I'm trying to make as many changes as possible. I'm trying to Bring the the people that are. I mean, everybody that's listening to this can hear it. You've got all of my core values. You know, stewardship, hardworking, integrity, personal professional development, and extreme ownership. Like that's it. You you define my core values. I look listening to how you built everybody else's companies. I'd have I'd have no problem hiring you today. You know. So those are the kind of people that we want to attract back. So I'm interested just quickly to hear other like was it flip hacking live that you saw that you were like, Hey, things are changing here. I want to come back. Or was it, was it your, you already knew that showing up and because of, you know, some of the things that you saw or heard or just in your own world, something's changed.
0: Um, I actually think I might've been at flip hacking live every year. I think I might've missed one. Um, but I was there last year too. And you know, I'd come back and I'd be, you know how it is. You're one of these things. Like, uh, oh man, we're going, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, I would always, for like the last two or three years of time, I, get, I think I'm going to get back in that group, you know? I think I'm going to get back in that group, you know? Because I know what I need, you know? I know I know what I need, and I know, I have always, I don't know why I delayed, but, but what I would say is this last time I was, I was there, uh, this last year, um, there were definitely changes that were made with you taking over, you know? Um, I know you personally for a long time, and some of the people who now who I don't know. I, knew, I mean, I know Becca, right? She was she joined our group in the first twelve months, right? I know Mike and Andy, and and you know, I, I, it's a comforting because I know everybody. You know, I know everybody's integrity. You know, there's other groups. You know that that I was thinking about joining. This guy still emails me all the time. You know, for a similar group, and it's like, and they seem to be a good group as well, good people or whatever. But like, I know all these people, you know, and I know what they're about. I know integrity, you know, and, and I know it's not a bunch of lies. I know what they're saying comes from the heart, you know. And so it's always like I've always trusted that about the people in the group, you know. And then when I went back there and I kind of saw the direction things were going in and, and accountability groups and how much it had grown, and I was like, okay, man, this is, even, this is so much better than, than it's, you know, it was when we started. You know, and um, you know, it's funny. I see some of the things that you were talking about that first year, like you know, we should band together and go after these people and, and get better pricing, right, on list source. Like you were talking about that stuff very early on, you know, probably like the second meeting, you know, and then now to see how that's that's kind of all come out, you know. So it's definitely you taking ownership of the country of uh, the company, country maybe eventually. <laughs> I'm definitely taking ownership of the, of the company and, and the things you know you're very honest about it, you know, and open about this is what I'm trying to do and here's why we're doing it and here's the reasons. And it's you know, it's all it's an open book, you know, and that's the kind of stuff that I appreciate, you know. Uh honesty and being an open an open book and, and telling people what you're trying to do, and you leave yourself vulnerable, right? Certainly as a business owner, sometimes when you do that, right? But you stay the course, right? And as long as you're doing the right thing, I'm I'm one of my favorite expressions it always comes out in the wash, right if your heart and your mind is in the, is in the right place and you're doing the right thing, you make your mistakes and whatever and you don't do everything right, nobody does, but in the end, the good stuff comes out you know you just you just kind of stick stick to the plan you know yeah, yeah,
1: I love it the I, I don't I don't have any plan to take over the country I'll tell you that but i uh i I feel like the Getting that deal with lending home, that 100% financing, that, that, that has been two years of my efforts. You talked about four years ago, me talking about kind of using the purchasing powers of the group to, to figure out how we can, yeah, I, I, for me, it was selfish and it still is. I mean, we saved $80,000 last year it, in my company, Blackjack Real Estate, on the value of just three relationships that we built inside the mastermind. Right. So, I was able to go to bat for Myself and the rest of the people, and right. we saved we saved over eighty thousand dollars last year. It's just crazy when we ran the numbers from our lists, our mailers, our hard money lenders, all that stuff. Real money. That's an
0: employee, right? Uh, you know. Oh,
1: that's yeah. a that's a high level employee. That's like it's a, an that's like a upper level you. manager in my uh, company. Right. You know, that's a that's a sales rep at on one hundred percent commission potentially. So it's really incredible. That's my I don't know my tax bill right is paid for
0: by. You know there's some of your old skills coming to work on that right. You know, sticking at the beginning the best price. You know, you still you still got that. You still got that in you. You know, probably torturing a a car dealer on a on a VW Atlas I want to buy. You know, and I take a little bit of pride in that. You know. Yeah. So I still I still take it out when I need it. You know.
1: Well, when it's one cent per postcard for one hundred and twenty thousand a month, it's that that those those little price adjustments did make a big difference, right? in yeah, a company. Yeah, you know. And, and honestly, that's, that's for my staff too. You know, that's to make sure that we can, that's more marketing that we can do. That's a whole nother market, the channel that we could open up without risk if we can reduce right. those uh, fixed costs. So um, we, we right. do, you know, a lot of stuff on that profit first model to see how can we, how can we reduce those fixed costs? So um,
0: you make a good point too. Like, you know, almost no savings, you know, it almost pays for, for being in the program. You know, oh, yeah. uh, I definitely see that coming, you know, and even what I would say, um, when people are like, oh, you're doing that thing again? It wasn't a lot of money or whatever. It didn't work out. I go, no, it actually did kind of work out, right? Did I get all the value I could have gotten out of it? No. Some people got more than others, and I was in a different place in my business and in my mind at the time. But when I look back at it, would I not have done it? No, because I would be nowhere near to where I am now. I'm not where I want to be, but I'd be nowhere I am where I'd be now, and I wouldn't be now back. Right? It would have just been like, oh, that was a failure, that was a waste of money. It wasn't. Even if I think back on two or three things that I learned there, or two or three relationships that I have, um, it was absolutely worth it, paid for itself, you know? So, um that's why I'm back. You know, awesome. I see, the, I see the value in
1: it. Well, we're happy to have you back. I'm, I'm really happy when we had that conversation at flip back live. It was, it was great. I really was uh, excited. I, I didn't want to, uh, I haven't been beating down your door or saying, Hey Joe, what are you doing? Where are you at? Come back, come back, come back. I want those people to come back on their own. If they see value here, like there's a lot of people in the group from before that I would love to have back. You know, it's the right people. It's the right values. It's the right, all of that stuff. You know, it's, it's fantastic. I absolutely love spending time with you. It's being there at the masterminds together, getting to know Allison better and hearing about your boys and everything that you guys are doing. It's really cool. I mean, we've done some deals together, um, you know, from before and those relationships are powerful. Uh, we've made money off of each other. All this stuff is great. It's great. It's just, It's about doing business with with the right people, right? And and like you said, those values and knowing the people and those kind of things. It's 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 nice to attract those kind of people into the into the group.
0: This guy who was a friend's with who I did some short sales with, some money lending and whatever. Yeah, you know, he's a he's a a businessman. His father owned a car body uh, auto body shop for years, and then he owned one and got into flipping and whatever. He's pretty successful. And he used to always say the same expression all the time. He goes, as long as we're all handing money around the table to one another. And we like the people we're handing the money to. He goes, then we're all good. You know, and I, you know, I always like that expression, you know, it's like, yeah, as long as we're happy and we're doing it, everybody's making money and you're not concerned about what other people are making, you know, that's, you know, if you're falling with these kind of principles, you never get angry, you know, you just, you know, I'm I'm a firm believer too. It's such a small small industry right even at a nationwide level you know your reputation is everything just like it was in our former jobs right your reputation is everything you know your name is everything and so that's my guiding principle every day i go out there you know even when i meet with a, 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 a seller uh, you know or, or anybody i have a business dealing with i'm always just like i walk away with this one my man up high you know and it'll all come out and wash you know and that's what keeps me going, you know, uh, and my wife and my kids. Yeah. You, more than anything.
1: Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you spending some time with me and talking about kind of your journey. And uh, there's a lot of things that kind of the commitment level, the I'm going to get it done, the uh, I'm, I, you know, I, once I say I'm going to do things, I'm going to do it that people can pick up on this, especially and also to the taking the eye off the ball kind of concept it, that we can get complacent in anything that we can do it's not just in real estate investing i feel like that's where i got to in in flying when i was when i was an instructor pilot down in pensacola i was flying 850 hours a year like 100 hours a month it's that's a ton of flying for those of you guys who are not pilots 100 awesome. hours a I, month yeah yeah exactly and i got i got a little bit comfortable with the airplane. And I I was worried that something, you know, I was going to miss something. And when you miss something or screw something up in that environment, it's not forgiving. I'll tell you that. And so that's when I said, I'm going to go, I'm going to go do something else. That's when I applied to go to test pilot school because it was going to be another year of me flying those 850 hours a year, going on a bunch of cross countries and, and flying a ton just because I'm a driver, right? That I just want to win. I want to be the number well, number one pilot and the number one pilot is the guy who flies the most hours. So oh, really? yeah. I said, I said, Hey, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to try something different. I tried to get a transition to fly jets a couple times. They uh-huh. wouldn't take me. They said I was too old. And then I went to uh, test pilot school. So that was kind of my progress and my transition. So,
0: um, you know, it's interesting, right? Cause you carry some of this stuff over. Just even you hearing that say that, like I used to work in this unit in Manhattan, this narcotics unit, right? And we, it was just overtime like crazy. I mean like unsafe amount of work, you know, doing a dangerous job and just, you know, guys start to become you know, and all in my in the military has overtime, right? <laughs> it's like here's your money. There's no overtime.
1: No overtime. No. I I, I there were days that I worked uh I was on a ship for seven months straight, nonstop. There's no right.
0: There. No overtime slip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, when the police big thing became overtime guys, counted on that money, right? Because it was like, that was their vacation money, Buy their wife from a car, or save up for a boat, you know? So, against their better judgment, they would just work themselves into exhaustion, you know? And then it becomes a point of pride, right? You know? Uh, like, we used to have this expression, only the weak sleep. We used to always say, you know, I was there for three years, and... We say only the week sleep, and like who could do more, and who could hustle more, and who could go to court all day, and then go out with the team, and come back the next morning at six o'clock, right? And and it's it, you, when you have that ability to do it, you're like I'm a grinder, right? I can grind it out, but it's but it's a dangerous thing in, in our world because you're just like I'll just grind this out when you don't have to, right? In this world, you know, when I started doing this, I'm like I'll just grind it out, and I was like. It's really not the healthiest thing, like you said, right? You don't take care of yourself emotionally or your family and whatever. But, you know, I'm a grinder, you know? And so I had to fight that urge to be smarter, you know? I'll grind it out. I'm going to go out there and return those $13 worth of returns on Sunday morning because I'm a grinder, you know? And you have to be like, no, I'm not doing that anymore, you know? I'm, I'm going to be – and that's the great thing about the group, right? Because you see people that aren't grinding, right? they're enjoying their lives. Right. So that's a great thing about being back. You know, it, it it keeps me away from sliding, you know, back to that stuff, you know? Yeah. That's
1: that's an interesting concept because you hear that all the time. This, like, you got to, just got to go out there and hustle. You got to work. And, and I I agree. I mean, when when you were starting your business, I was starting my business. There's a lot of work. Like there's, yeah. there's a lot of hours. I was working a full-time job. I was working uh, two hours before work, like three hours after work, all weekends. Mm-hmm. It just, I didn't have a lot of time. I told my wife, look, I, I want to do this for the family. I want to, I want to start this business. I want to give it a, a try. I want to see how I do. I'm going to join this group. Now I'm going to join this program, all this stuff. And I don't know how it's going to go, but I've committed to myself. I invest in myself. I'm not going to invest in anybody else. Right. I invest in myself. I believe in myself. I know I can do it. And then at least at the end of the year, I say, hey, I gave it everything that I had, like you said, 110%. And I just, it's not for me or it is for me. And turned right. out it was it was a great decision. It was for me. I, I absolutely love my life now and, and what I have because of that. And now I don't have to hustle and grind and just work right. overtime and do all that stuff. And I'm able to unplug when I want to unplug. My wife got to, went to England for two weeks. or ah, I say two weeks. She says like 12 days. Um, but I tell you, it's felt like a month because... You know, our kids got sick the week of Thanksgiving. I had to pull them out of school. I had to shut, basically I had to shut everything down for the whole week. Right. And it's okay. I could do that. And I gave the entire staff for this seven figure flipping company off uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I said, do not answer emails. Do not post in the Facebook groups, guys. You got to shut down. We have not had a single second off since Flip Hacking Live. We've been working pretty much all, nonstop since then. Take, take a break, be with your family. And we have a Monday morning meeting where we do we go around and say professional personal professional good news it's an eos type l10 meeting and all of their professional good news was that they took four days off of work and didn't do anything they didn't they didn't open their email they didn't say they didn't do anything and they can't even remember the last time that they did that so it's really cool to be able to do that ourselves as owners and then also be able to kind of allow our staff to do those things and to hear, for me to hear that all, every single person's professional good news for the week was that they didn't work. As an owner, a lot of times you're like, wait, wait a, se- wait a second. What's going on here? These guys should want to work. These are the most hardworking people that I've ever yeah, met. Yeah, yeah. I had to force them to put their computers away, basically. Yeah. And even even one of them, even my controller was sending emails out on Sunday night. So it's it's really cool to see that and then to be able to teach other people and show other people how to do that. And then the fact, it's not all about working 80 or a hundred hours a week to make a bunch more money. It's about, it's first, it's first the money comes. Then I think the time comes and then the impact comes and it's not just impact on nonprofits and all those things. We do all that stuff. It's fantastic, but it's also about impact on others. It's about you coming back into the group and having an impact on the other people that are in the mastermind group. Everybody in there does some sort of heavy lifting. It's not right. like you come in, you pay money, you come in and you're, you're freeloading off everybody. The expectation right. is that we, we help each other. We're lifting right. each other up and, and we're facilitating that inside the group as, as kind of me being the owner and everybody else and we're giving as much as we can and everybody else kind of catches that bug, right? The bug of giving. So right. And that's what we want. We want the givers, not the takers. Right. So I just sent out uh, the Go-Giver book to every single uh, new person in the Runway program, which uh-huh. is our kind of the program that was at Flip Hacking Live that people joined that are newer, hadn't done a bunch of deals. And, oh, here I know that one, the Go-Giver. Oh, yeah. You got to read that. Here, you don't need to write that down. I'll send it to you right after this. Yeah. So they sent me a new hat too. Oh, done.
0: I left there and I my new favorite hat and um, not just because it's, it's your hat, but also the style, the whole thing's working. And I left it in the overhead. Oh, I got, man. I got oh. in the cam outside uh, JFK and I was like, I love my hat, man.
1: Well, Joe, I got, a, I got a great one for you. I'm going to send you one of these original seven-figure flipping hats right here. It was this this? That was that guy. Hat. Yeah, yeah. this okay, one?
0: Next generation
1: already? It was that one or it was this one? Or was it this one? The seven-figure altitude hat.
0: It was the altitude
1: hat. Yeah. So I've got th- these hats, Joe. And these hats... I made these hats before the, the event, uh, uh, before our, our flip back and live event to gave away at the mastermind meeting before the event because uh, what you might not know, so I don't know, you could probably see it here on the camera. So that says one of 300. 300, yeah. So I got 300 hats and I numbered them all because in the military, when we start a new, we have a new ship or we have a new squadron, we're called plank owners. So uh, if you're the first person in that, squadron or that ship or whatever it is, you're a plank owner of that. So when we started HSC 23 in San Diego, I had my commanding officer on the podcast Greg Sheehan um, recently. So he was the commanding officer of that squadron. We started up this brand new squadron. So I was one of the plank owners of that squadron. And what I said was I wanted to number all these hats to give them away to our seven figure flipping members who were members before we made this brand transition at Flip Hacking Live last year.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I gave, I numbered all the hats and I gave them away to the people and so all the people who were there in the beginning have a low number hat so I'm one of 300 I've got two of 300 okay. I think it's Andy and three of 300 so Kyle and Vanessa have low numbers and Mike and and Becca and Terry and Adam and Jeremiah and all the people who were there early so what I'm gonna do is I'm I saved a couple other low number hats so I'm gonna send you one of those so oh, and and awesome. I'll, send, I'll send you one of the new seven figure altitude hats but as one of the kind of the founding members of the group one of the people that were there in the beginning You deserve just as much as these other guys to have one. So I'll send you that. And now I'm glad that you left it in the overhead because if you hadn't done that, we wouldn't have had this conversation and I wouldn't have been able to send you this. So I think I have one that's around... It's maybe in the 20s or something. I kind of kept a small group. That's uh, so. Awesome. So, uh, you know, being one of the plank owners yourself, being at the first meeting, being part of the group as we started this thing and started this journey, because we don't use this logo anymore. We don't use right. uh, any of these. So it's kind of the old throwback that right. we'll go out of production very soon. So
0: i right. would right. be worth a lot of money someday.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. You can uh, sell it on eBay or something. So, um, all right, Joe, well, I appreciate you spending time with me and hanging out. And uh, so I owe you uh, the go giver book and two hats. We'll get that yeah. right out to you. So, awesome. all right. Um, and you know what? Uh, so I want to take a minute. We talked about flip hacking live, but before you go, um, we, we flip hacking live has changed a little bit. So, um, I w- kind of want to make an announcement if, uh, if we have a, a second to talk about Flip Hacking Live. So we're going to be selling some tickets, guys, uh, in December. So what I did was I I brought the price down in the tickets in December until January 1st. So I'm, I'm going to bring on my CPA. I'm going to bring on some other people on the podcast here coming up to talk about where you're spending mo- your money, where you're structuring your business for the end of the year. Because that with the end of the year coming up, you've got to start, like, it's like your last rush to kind of plan for Taxes for 2019. Right. So all of these conferences and things like that that you can buy a ticket for, or pay for your membership, or do any of those things, or buy some books, uh, some personal development things. So I use this kind of end of the year. I just bought a, a ticket to an event for 2020, and I'm kind of looked at my calendar and. and and projected where I want to be. And what I do is I buy that stuff here in December so that I don't have to, uh, so I can write it off in 2019 and I don't have to wait until 2020 or 2021 if you're filing any extensions right. to, to write off the next year. So um, anyway, Flip Packing Live, we're, we, moved, we moved it from San Diego to Orlando. So East
0: Coast, baby.
1: Yeah, that's right. If you guys were in San Diego this year and you heard me speak, I said, I'm going to stay in San Diego as long as they'll have me. And it turns out they just don't want me there anymore. So uh, the hotel double booked us on the dates that I put out. And so we're going to move. We, we, We went out to four different cities. We went out to Nashville, Phoenix, San Diego, and Orlando and put bids out to everybody. There was nobody in San Diego that had the event that we wanted the size that we needed, and to have it on a Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So they wanted to have it on Sunday uh, one weekend, and it was during Halloween. That just does not fit our our core values, our people. Everybody has kids. Everybody has families. No chance I'm having it over Halloween weekend. So we decided to take a flyer and move it to the East Coast in Orlando. So it's going to be October 15th, 16th, and 17th in Orlando, Florida. And right, it's 10 miles from Disney World, an awesome hotel called the Omni Resort. It's going to be incredible. It's a whole big resort, golf course, pools, Lazy River, all this cool stuff. I'm really excited. I'm going to bring my family down. We're going to go to Disney for like a week afterwards. And I can't wait. It's right around James's birthday afterwards. So we're going to go to Disney. So that's the event. If you guys can go to fliphackinglive.com, we've just reworked the website. We put the new dates, the new locations on there. And if you're a member of our mastermind group, we'll post the link in the Facebook groups for you guys. We have a special link for you guys and a deeper discount for the master okay. member. So Joe, for you, yeah, if you're, you're like, oh, I got to go get a ticket, just, we have the link inside the Facebook group <laughs> for you guys. So if you're a runway or an altitude member, then you'll have a link inside the Facebook group that I'm not going to publicize because it's very deeply discounted. And then for the rest of you guys uh, go to flippackinglive.com and, uh, and check it out. And we've also launched our brand new website at sevenfigureflipping.com. So you can get, there's a link on there that says uh, uh, Flip Live. You can go there and it'll Mm -hmm. take you to the landing page. So uh, Joe, after this, you talked about your website. Go check out ours, sevenfigureflipping.com. Yeah, write it down. Kind of reworked brand new website. And uh, so right after our call, I'm going to jump on there and and check it out too because it went live uh, just yesterday, actually last night, last night late, I think. So I kind of looked at my phone, but I haven't looked at it on the desktop yet. I've been running around all day. So get your tickets to footbagging live. Uh, I'm going to do a couple other podcasts about it. We're going to talk a little bit about it. I probably might tease a couple other speakers, but if you were there this year, you know how awesome it is and moving it to the East coast. It's going to be, it's going to be an incredible event. I'm excited. I love San Diego, but I also love Disney world. So I'm kind of torn and maybe what we'll do is we'll just bounce back and forth year after year. I'm not sure. So we'll check it out. So yeah, I love um, San Diego, man.
0: It's been great. Yeah. But you know, it's the event. It's not the location. It's an awesome event.
1: That's it. That's it. And, and, uh, maybe
0: I'll bring my wife and kids down
1: there. Oh, please do. I think, you know, and for any, for any of you guys that are listening, if, if you're not bringing your spouse to an event like this, you absolutely should. I mean, I, I'm telling you right now, your spouse is going to get, there. there's so much personal development and, and mm-hmm. things like that. And they also will get an angle of what you're doing and what you're going through and get behind your business even more. Like I've right. been trying to get my wife to come year after year after year. This is the year she said, I'm, I'll come next year. So this, this year she said, oh, yeah. I'll absolutely... She was supposed, we're supposed to have James and her there. James couldn't fly. There's a lot of things going on. So hopefully this year I'll get them, I'll get everybody there. And I want my, I want to see my, I want my kids to be there. I got my parents there this year, which was awesome. And my aunt and my uncle were there. So it'll be good. So go to flipbackinglive.com, grab your ticket. Um, This, our discount will run out at the end of December. So December 31st at midnight. So it's come January 1st the price is going to go up. So grab a ticket, get a tax write-off in 2019 and uh, come check it out. And if you bought a ticket on our other dates at the event in, for San Diego, then, and, and this doesn't work for you in Orlando, or these dates and things like that, just send us an email at info at householdinghq.com. We'll, we'll, we'll set you up. We'll get you taken care of. So, uh, okay. October 15th through the 17th in Orlando, Flip Live. Grab your tickets, flippackinglive.com. Joe, thanks for hanging out with me. I really appreciate it. I had a good time.
0: Yeah, it was I'll, fun, man. Thanks uh, I'll Talk to you later. All right, All right. Bye. Thanks for listening to the seven figure flipping podcast with
1: Bill Ellen. If you want to grow and scale your house flipping or wholesaling business, check out more insider tips and strategies from the nation's most successful real estate investors at seven